Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I'm talking to President and CEO of the Oregon Symphony, Scott Showalter. Hi, Scott. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me, Susanna. Yeah, it's really thrilling to hear what's going on with the Oregon Symphony. There's sound sites, sounds of home, special presentations like the popcorn series, and mm-hmm. all this innovative and compassionate outreach, which just warms my heart. What do you mean when you're talking about moving music forward? Right. So I think about the symphony as having an artistic imperative that is advancing the art form. We can't just play the old standards again and again and again. And then also an imperative to reach into connect with our greater community. So there's the onstage work that we do and offstage. And how is it that we think afresh about how we perform different forms of art, even bringing back the standards in a, in a new and interesting interpretation and way? And then how are we ever broadening and deepening our reach beyond the hall? So we're not an old art form as people would often think that it's antiquated. They've been predicting the death of classical music for the last 400 years. <laughs> We are constantly reinventing, and I'm proud that the Oregon Symphony is doing that in ever new ways. Mm, it's really exciting. It's a deepening. Yes, we do that both in the classical series. So even with those standards, we will often bring different forms of visual art to mm-hmm. the stage to excite our core classical patron base. Well, Persephone then, was a great example absolutely. of that. Absolutely. I just adored that piece and using the puppetry. And right. The, oh. So that was with Michael Curry, the genius behind the mm-hmm. Lion King and Met Opera Productions, the London Olympics. And he brought that rather um, obscure piece to life in just a shockingly beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't give away too much, but we will be partnering with him again in the future. Oh, that's exciting. Speaking of partners, how do you think tank these things? Uh, do members of the symphony come with ideas? Do you, I'm sure you do a lot of traveling, you meet a lot of artists around the world. We do. So the artistic planning is a group of people that comes together from on the administration side, it's myself and the head of artistic planning. We have marketing staff, operations staff, musicians from within the orchestra, Carlos Camar, our music director. And we are talking about ideas this season, next season, several seasons from now. So here we are in December of 2018. We've already got cooked next season, which we will announce in early February. And we're in contract with some artists and composers for works two, three, four plus years from now. Mm-hmm. So there's a long sight line. We always focused on the here and now and also kind of long term. And that's that's ideas from a lot of different people in-house mm-hmm. and also taking ideas that we see from other orchestras and other art forms really around the country. Mm, so exciting. So given this new direction, what are some of your proudest achievements that you've recently yeah. achieved? So uh, a couple of years ago, we had a 
series called Sound Sights, where mm-hmm. we brought different forms of visual art to the stage. That really excited our patron base, and we saw more new subscribers, more new ticket buyers than ever before. Last mm-hmm. year, fully 20% of the people who came into the hall were there for the first time. Mm, so exciting. Yes, and that then expanded into the following season where we had a series called Sounds of Home. We took, again, different forms of uh, visual art as well as the symphonic experience, and we connected to social themes mm-hmm. in a nonpartisan way, but in a way that connected in a relevancy to our greater community. What When you think about art reflecting society. Mm -hmm. It was the time of Handel or Beethoven or Bartok. What are we doing today that is reflective of our society? And so rather than just do a a cycle around Beethoven sonatas or Beethoven uh, symphonies, what what would it mean to do a cycle around social themes? And that was a head scratcher. It took us a couple of years to put together and talking with a lot of people around our community. So even beyond the the group that I was talking about before, we take we draw inspiration from our larger community. And as we hear about what's important to them, we we came up with this this theme of the sounds of home. And then that again we built on this season. Uh, where we have sound stories. So again, there's visual aspects, there's different forms of of merging kinds of art, and in a thoughtful and relevant way where we're bringing the stories of music to life and and tying that together with the stories of musicians and even the stories of our patrons, Mm -hmm. believing that there's a story in every seat. Mm -hmm. Everyone comes to the concert hall or to music with some connection, right? So we were born and uh, heard lullabies and learn the ABCs to a tune written by Mozart. And then throughout our lives, uh, music uh, in one form or another uh, affects us all. In death, there are going to be hymns most likely and an organ played around classical music. So it is part of our lives, even if you're not in the concert hall at all times. And we can draw uh, experiences from from life and from our, our uh our fellow citizens, and uh, all of that comes together in an ever more interesting way. So the stories are really exciting us this season. And then as I alluded to earlier, we're going to build upon that even further next season. Yeah, it's so exciting too, because in the artistic community, I know the people that I come into contact with have talk to me so much about projects that they're working on, Naomi LaViolette and the Lullaby Project, yes. and uh, the intake form, the Gabriel Cahan piece. Yes, that, yes, and, yes. And just to see artists in our city lighting up at the work that you're doing is so thrilling. You're providing such an inspiration for artists across the city. Those two projects you, you mentioned was are, are combined in our, in our addressing the subject of homelessness and mm-hmm. the scourge of deep poverty. Uh, Lullaby Project was our offstage complement to what we did on stage. Um, that we had singer songwriters work with mothers in the homeless community to understand their stories, mm-hmm. and then compose and record original lullabies for their children. Not in an opportunistic kind of way, but rather to help strengthen maternal bonds through music. Mm-hmm. And that's a partnership with Carnegie Hall. So I mentioned we've got partnerships of all kinds nationally, locally with various social service groups. So Central City Concern, Portland Homeless Family Solutions, among others, were some of our partners around that project. And then on stage, as you referenced, uh, Gabe Kane's piece, Emergency Shelter Intake Four, was profound. Mm-hmm. Joshua Bell uh, 
arguably the world's most famous violinist, was performing on the first half of the program, stuck around because he wanted to see what this production was all about on the second half. And he came back after stage of the first concert and he said, that was genius. Mm -hmm. You have to record that. That's Pulitzer material. Mm. And so we did in August a free concert for the community where we performed that single piece again and recorded it. And uh, that'll be released in early 2019. That is so exciting. And that obviously is a way that you're strengthening community through music, which is just thrilling. Moving music forward. Yes. So how has the symphony grown beyond the Portland community? It sounds as though you've already talked about a couple of ways in which they've done that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we think about a footprint locally. And by that, I mean, Portland, Southwest Washington and Oregon. We think about a footprint nationally and we think about a footprint internationally. And so I referenced a couple of our national partners um, and internationally, as well as nationally, we are doing ever more recordings and broadcasts. So every year we're recording at least four of our programs, which are available on our website, and then also are syndicated through American public media mm. radio stations worldwide. And so last year, in addition to those who heard us live here in and around Oregon, by 16 million homes across the globe. And so if we're doing old pieces in new ways and we are bringing new commissions to the orchestral canon, then we're moving music forward, not just here locally, but far beyond. Hmm. And then Grammy Association has nominated us multiple times. Um, we've, uh, we've seen an interest in some of the Commissions that we're doing, uh, the uh, emergency shelter intake form that we mentioned earlier has been picked up by the Kennedy Center is going to be performed there. And a number of other orchestras uh, nationwide are going to be performing it in the coming years. Hmm. It's been fun to talk to Norman Huen about the popcorn series. Oh. And I've been at a couple of those concerts and seeing the excitement and the new patrons people who I would imagine might be their first visit because they're maybe six years old coming to see a, a film being live uh, played by the symphony. It's just, it's so much fun to see that energy, that excitement in the, in the house. That's right. So those movies, it's what you're familiar watching. So Star Wars, Star Trek already this season, we're mm -hmm. about to do Nightmare Before Christmas. We still have Harry Potter, Amadeus upcoming. And yet another, which we haven't announced yet, but I'll, I'll preview for any listeners, is uh, Coraline. Oh, so wonderful. So we partnered with Leica and oh, around great. the uh, eve of the 10th anniversary of when that movie was uh, premiered at Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring it back in this new form. So we show the movie, but it's been scrubbed of the orchestral soundtrack. So mm -hmm. you still hear all of the dialogue and the sound effects but the music is performed live on stage. And if you haven't seen that, you just, you have to go. Whatever movie experience, it just heightens the understanding of what it is that an orchestral score does for the story mm -hmm. that comes alive through the film. And um, and you just appreciate the the total experience of it in a, in a concert hall in a way that is hard to imagine if you if you haven't been there. So I, I highly encourage going to one if uh, if you haven't uh, already. <laughs> so what's the future of the Oregon Symphony? I mean, so many of the things you've already talked about speak to the future. It seems as though your present is also in the future as well. 
So when I arrived five years ago, I was told, oh, there's plenty of art in Portland and we shouldn't do much more than we're already doing. Well, we've, we've grown quite a bit. Um, in fact, budget-wise, which is a proxy really for what it is that we do on stage and off, we've grown by 50% over this time. And that's the largest growth proportionally of any orchestra in the United States. And we see, while not compounded 50% growth forevermore, we see more opportunities to grow. And in fact, next season, we're going to be increasing the number of programs that we do, especially in the classical series. And we're also you know, broadening the the kinds of repertoire that we do on stage. So we've got um, country Western music and the national acrobats of China and John Cleese and Patti LaBelle. And <laughs> we are trying to be all things really to, to people in our community. It's hard to imagine that any one person couldn't connect to one or more kinds of programs that we're doing. It's not just Mozart and Shostakovich and Brahms. It's, it's much broader than that. So when we look to the future, it's how can we continue to expand the range of what we do and deepen the experience for those who are coming to the concert hall, regardless of genre. Mm. And then offstage, there's there's incredible opportunities um, to deepen the work that we can help to do for communities that don't have access to the hall. Mm -hmm. So I think about music having incredible power to inspire, unite, educate, heal. Mm -hmm. um, we have a program called Music Now where we connect our musicians with seniors living with dementia. And you can see how music of, of many different forms helps to break through layers of cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. And that kind of relevancy and, and value and connection to our community is something that uh, with adequate support, we can, we can do ever more of. Mm -hmm. We're playing in hospitals, we're in schools, libraries, neighborhoods, correctional facilities. We just performed at Coffee Creek hmm. uh, for a holiday program where the choir is part of the, a safe choir program, intergenerational, such that when they transition out of minimum security following their, their release, they're connected to choirs that welcome former inmates. Hmm. And so our musicians are there uh, connecting and performing with the choir um, and just to be part of that experience mm -hmm. um, is just ironically for being in prison gives one hope. Mm -hmm. And we're in ERCO, the immigration centers, uh, homeless shelters. Uh, there's, there's a lot that we can do offstage. Of course, what we do core programmatically is downtown at the Schnitz and in Newburgh and in, um, Salem, where we have regular performances, but uh, I, I'm excited about just connecting with our community in ever more innovative ways in the future. Well, you have an orchestra full of artists who serve this community so beautifully, not only through the symphony, but in the various other organizations that they're parts of. And just listening to you gets me so excited about inviting listeners to come and volunteer and be a part of the symphony. There are so many ways to be a part of an organization. And if these types of uh, events 
inspire you, go check out the site at orsymphony.org and find out a way to participate, whether that be a donation for one of these amazing programs or come and see what you can do for the symphony in person and hang around with some of these incredible artists and what's going on there. It's a really beautiful place to be. I love that sales pitch, Susanna. Thank you. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, a couple of personal questions are always yeah, fun please. to ask because, you know, you're here, you're a Portlander. What have you seen recently or read or anything yes. uh, that's inspired you? So I find inspiration from any number of activities, institutions, people uh, on the symphony scale. I uh, San Francisco's got this innovative program called Soundbox where they're taking classical music into a club-like venue with drinks and digital media. Um, Los Angeles, where I hail from, is always doing innovative works with regard to staging and mashups of different art forms and taking the conventional and turning it on its head. I I borrowed a a chapter or two out of their playbook and some of the programs that we've been talking about. I'm impressed with Detroit, how that symphony is part of a renaissance for that city as it sort of figures out its next uh, evolution uh, post the the auto industry decline. Mm. Um, Individually, I'm continually inspired by artists that we engage with as well as those who are in the symphony themselves, inspired by some of my colleagues who just give of their time well beyond what could be expected of even a full-time staffer. So um, I get my energy from all kinds of people on the board and patrons and knowing that the kind of music that we produce at the hall gets people up on its feet. And that just gives me energy for the, for, for the next day. I, I, I love this work. It's always challenging and it's rewarding. Yeah, I can see that. Just the work that you're producing is is so exciting. So it kind of leads me to my next question, which is what would be a perfect road trip for you? Um, And I'd also add a way you kind of get away from that and fill yourself, you know, with some space. So I'll say, I'll I'll, I'll admit that uh, driving is not my favorite thing to do. In fact, I don't even own a car. Mm. So... um, I, but my favorite road trip would be on my bike. I'm an avid cyclist. Mm. I've uh, ridden in the Pyrenees and down the coast of California, and I'll go out for day trips and uh, multi-day trips, camping and, and otherwise. So that, for me, seeing uh, stretches of road is much more rewarding while I'm also exercising and breathing in fresh air. Hmm. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for the work you do for our community. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing all the work at Oregon Symphony. If you want to know about anything else that we've talked about or just want to check out the website, it's really a lot of fun to peruse, orsymphony.org. And thanks, Scott, for joining me today. Susanna, thank you so much. This has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.